The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai, Episode 81. Welcome to The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. I'm your host, Dr. Yishai Barkadari, psychologist and adaptability coach to entrepreneurs and business leaders. I believe that working on your business is more important than working in your business. If you want to achieve your business goals and dreams without the cost and pain of having to make every mistake yourself, then The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is the podcast for you. I'm here to help you learn from the lessons of entrepreneurs and business leaders to help you work on yourself and your business so that you can save time, energy, and grow faster. For those of you new to the show, The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai presents three new episodes each week. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of business leaders through insightful guest interviews. On Story Tuesday, we dig deeper with them and learn firsthand from their stories, hard-earned lessons, and experience. On Thrive Thursday, it's just you and me on the couch, where you'll hear scientific research, my thoughts, and tangible tactics to adapt and grow yourself and your business. Grab a proverbial seat and listen up so you can learn from the minds and mistakes business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. Because Story Tuesday's conversation is so packed and full of value, I just had to share it with you in full, in two parts. Today, Michael shares stories, metaphors, and lessons that he learned to live by and thrive. We talk about the Goliath analogy, stepping into the arena, and we dig into Michael's first and most influential mentor with stories and lessons he learned that served him as a future co-founder and CEO. On Tuesday, our story and lesson-filled conversation will continue where we're going to keep talking about success, the role of caring for people, both your teams and customers, and what it plays in success, and how to engage in the most empowering comparison and competition to drive your personal and business growth. But before we dive in, I wanted to share that the Business Couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by Adaptability Coaching and Consulting. If you lead a six or seven plus figure business and experience a drag or dip in your growth, if you notice diminishing engagement or passion in your business, if you want to eliminate exhaustion and burnout in yourself or your teams, if you sense that you or your company would grow faster and stronger, if you could just pivot efficiently and effectively when circumstances change like they had so much in 2020, then you've got an adaptability problem. Adaptability coaching and consulting will give you and your business the psychology and neuroscience-backed tools to understand and leverage core adaptability skills through the unique 3D adaptation framework. You can learn to harness and leverage core adaptability skills to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to turn tough circumstances, reactions, and exhaustion into energy, excitement, and excellence for you and your company. To learn more, go to dryishai.com slash coaching or dryishai.com slash consulting. Join me in welcoming Michael Coles, founder, former chairman and CEO of the Great American Cookie Company, former chairman, CEO, and board member of Caribou Coffee, and among many other accomplishments, 
author of Time to Get Tough, How Cookies, Coffee, and a Crash Led to Success in Business and Life. Welcome back, Michael. Oh, it's good to be back with you. Thank you. And on Insight Sunday, we covered so many things. It's going to be hard to enumerate them all, some of which were the importance of not just preparing, but really being able to handle the unexpected in business. We talked about growth. We talked about communication and listening, how impactful they are and how to do them well and how important they are. And we also talked about leadership, mentorship, and what that has been like for you. You also shared how important it is and what the factors are in creating the customer experience that's going to keep them coming back over and over again. And in Story Tuesday, we often dive deeper into your hard-earned lessons so we can all learn from them. And Insight Sunday was just packed full of lessons already. And so I did want to touch on a few themes or ideas that showed up, not just to be a rehash, but to think about them together a little bit maybe, or to hear. I, I know in the book, you make reference to Goliath. And I really want to understand or ask you to kind of talk a little bit more to when it comes to facing challenges, how you think about that. Let me go back a little bit, because there's no doubt that the theme that runs throughout the book is Goliath and how you face Goliath and how you wind up standing in the shadow of Goliath. And until I was about 10 years old, I had a pretty good life. My dad, I would say we were upper middle class. And I say that because my brother, which was very unheard of when he turned 16, my dad bought him a car at the time, and that was very unheard of. So My family had done really well. I came home from school when I was 10 years old. There was a panel truck parked outside my home. All of our furniture and personal belongings were in the truck. My dog had a little black cocker spaniel named Lucky. And Lucky was in my my red wagon with her food and a bowl. And I came home to find out that my dad had gone bankrupt and that we lost the house and that we were moving to an apartment and I had to give away my dog. And I mean, obviously it was very, very tough to give away my dog, especially because they gave my dog away to a younger kid down the street. And so I had to be very tough. I didn't want to be crying in front of this younger kid. So I gave my dog away and I came back. We got in our car and truck and went to this new apartment. And I mean, it was not an easy thing. I was very upset, very angry about giving away my dog. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you know, when you're a kid, you're pretty resilient. And so we got to the apartment and things didn't feel that different once we settled in. We had our furniture, we had our personal possessions. My dad, who believed he would recover and eventually get us back to where we had been, he continued to overspend. And by the time I was 13, almost 13, He had put himself basically back in the same position he had been in prior to going bankrupt. His wages were being so garnished that he was barely bringing home a paycheck. And so literally in the middle of the night, we moved to Florida. My sister, my brother, who was 21 at the time, he stayed in Buffalo to go to school. But my sister was younger and I was obviously younger. We got in my dad's car. We drove to Florida together. And we went to Florida because Florida was a debtor state. And so we got down there and my dad, you know, really felt like, you know, get these garnishes behind him, he would be able to get our life back together. And so we got there and my aunt who lived in Miami got us an apartment where she lived. 
And so we moved into this apartment. It was a one bedroom, less than 300 square feet apartment. My parents slept on a screen porch in Miami, Florida, where the temperatures get very hot mm-hmm. and there was no air conditioning. It was just a window fan. And I had to share a share room with my sister. It was a really a horrible apartment. I mean, it, I don't want to go into all the details, of, but it was a horrible apartment. And when that happened, when I was 10, bankruptcy seemed to be like, well, you give up your dog and you lose your house. It was not that big a deal. But when I woke up that morning in Miami in this apartment, I now knew what bankruptcy really was. It was a complete change of your life. And I woke up. Mm. I know it's a long answer to your question, but I got to get to it. I woke up that morning and I really could believe one of two things. I could believe my dad would recover and this was a temporary situation or I could start working. And so the choice I made was to get a job as a kid and try to help my family. It was not heroic. I was not happy about it. I knew my teenage years were going to change dramatically making this choice. But I felt like it was something I had to do. And I needed inspiration. And so I needed a story about overcoming adversity. And the first story I thought of was the story of David and Goliath. And a lot of people, the takeaway of that story is David fights this enormous giant, wins the battle, You know, it's a great takeaway. But that was never my takeaway, even as a kid. What I was always overwhelmed by was the fact that David stepped into the valley against this enormous giant who had armor and weapons and had no, and he stepped in with nothing more than a slingshot and a few stones. And he walked into the valley without knowing the outcome. And for me, Mm. that's what everybody goes through. Every one of us face Goliath challenges every single day, whether it's changing careers, going back to school, going through a horrible divorce, whatever it may be. We face those Goliath challenges every single day. And the question you have to ask yourself, and the reason it runs all the way through my book, is you have to ask yourself, do you have the courage to take the first step and walk into the valley? Mm -hmm. And that's such a powerful image, such a powerful metaphor to think of stepping in with very little to what was this huge arena with somebody who is armed to the teeth and to have that kind of uncertainty and to still make... And and though we all have that every day in some Mm. form or another, something, whatever it may be, there are all those kinds of challenges. And... The thing of it is, you know, I love the Nike expression of just do it because Mm. it's a real call to action. And I think it's not a trite expression. Look, if you're going to step out into the world and try to do something on your own, or if it's changing a career where you think you can better your life or whatever it may be, I think that the thing you've got to recognize is that the roadway to success is the middle between failure and success. You could veer off that road any time. The question is, if you do veer off towards what is maybe not success, how do you get yourself back on that road and keep yourself going? And again, Mm. it's all about how you deal with the unexpected. Mm. So, you know, look, I was a former bicycle racer. And I will tell you that one of the things that happens in bicycle races all the time, people crash, get knocked down, and you can stay on the ground and the sag wagon will come and pick you up and take you home. 
But the question is, is that what you want? Or do you get after the crash, you get back on the bike and try to catch the pack? I think that's the metaphor for business. I mean, that's who determines who you are. Do Mm. you get back up on the bike and keep going? And so the story is not just overcoming adversity. It's about making the choice. It's about taking that action. It's about getting back on the road, getting back on the bike, getting back on the road, recognizing that there will be so many things that pull you or push you off of that path. Look, there's just so many things in a business. And I'm not going to get into the whole life thing. I'm going to let you do that because you're a professional. (laughs) But the truth is there are so many facets in business that can go wrong. Some are small things that if you don't take care of them, and figure out how to fix them can turn into big things. And then there's the big things that steer you in the face, and hopefully you can figure out how to overcome it. Look, when we went into the cookie business, the word disruptive is a current phrase. It was not a current phrase. Mm. In 1977, we started the cookie company. And I had never heard the word disruptive in business, but today it's common. Mm -hmm. We were a disruptive company. We started a cookie business that was extremely different than the way anyone else had done it before. And it disrupted. When we had one store, there were three major chains, two with 50 stores, one with over 100 stores. And by the time we had 100 stores, those three companies were gone. We had put them out of business. Now, we didn't go into business to put them out of business. We just went into business to try to be successful in our business. But that was the outcome. And so the point I guess I'm trying to make here is that when you have something that is different, you've got to recognize the fact that your competition is going to watch what you're doing. And if you do something that is really unique, that they can adopt to their business, remember that's their starting point, that you may have worked a year to get to that point. But once it's implemented, and your competition is watching, that becomes their starting point. So if you're not constantly improving what you've done, you're going to fall behind, even though you may have taken that leap forward that created this disruption. The question is, how do you keep being disruptive? Hmm. That's such an important and I think very powerful (coughs) point, especially in the internet age, where the competition isn't just whoever else is in your town. That's right. In the digital world, it is pretty much the entire world. And maybe in some places, it's the English-speaking world, which is so many. And so the competition is even more fierce than it used to be. Absolutely. And, And what that means is that any of us who are engaging in a business enterprise or entrepreneurship, what we're doing is we're entering this arena. And so many people are watching How do you walk into the arena? What is your fighting style, as it were? How do you engage in the combat? Not that business is only combat, but how do you really think about and approach it? And the people who are watching, which can and often is your competition, are also taking that in and learning to implement it. And then they're going to incorporate that when they walk into the arena. They're going to walk in with the experience of watching and observing you and seeing what you do that works. And they'll be using the same things. My life has been, my business life has always been about the interaction in between human beings. Truthfully, it's not that I've never, like caribou, we had an internet 
you know, we had a website, we did business that way. But the truth is, in most of the businesses I've been involved, I've been in the banking business. I would say that the reason that I've had any success is understanding what Irving taught me, my mentor when I was 13, which is how do you take care of people in that human interaction? And if human interaction becomes over the internet, just remember this. The reason that Amazon has been as successful as it has is old school retailing. Think about it. You buy something on Amazon, and the minute you buy something, they're telling, they're suggesting other things you might want. Hmm. They start to learn your behavior. They may learn the names of your spouse. They may know the names of a child that you did something for. That is about as old school Hmm. retailing as there possibly can be. And that's been what I've done in the cookie business, especially at Caribou, where we had more time to interact with people so we could learn their name, learn their drinks. When you can connect with people on that level, they're going to be your customer. They're going to come Hmm. back. Because that human interaction of making them feel special, and I think one of the things that a lot of business people forget, especially if you're in the food service business or in the confection business where you're selling sweets or you know something that people eat because they want some kind of self-gratification, I think one of the things that people forget about, one, is that they're coming to you for more than just a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. They're coming to you because for them, this is really important. You'll understand this perhaps better than anyone because of being a psychologist. That experience may be the best thing that happens to them the entire day. They may have left their house with screaming kids. They may have left their house in a fight with a husband or a wife or a significant other, whatever it may be. And when they pull up to either a drive through window or come into the store, to get that cup of coffee and someone smiles at them. And especially if somebody knows their name and said, you know, how's your day going, your name, or they don't know your name, but they know your drink. It is a special moment for those folks. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember, our thoughts and reactions affect our actions. By listening, we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results. 